Hey everyone, Mel here again with another episode of the Weekly Watch. I did promise you that I would be back every Friday now that my laptop has been, um, I wanted to say resuscitated. Is that even the right word? I'm not sure. It's back among the living, which is fantastic. Um, this week I will be talking about Alien Covenant and Miss Sloan. I know that if you guys follow me on Twitter, you've probably seen that I went to see the new Pirates of the Caribbean last Sunday. Unfortunately, that film is still embargoed until Monday 3 p.m. So I can't actually include it this week, but I will most definitely be talking about this next week. So rest assured, if you want to hear what I have to say about Pirates, just wait another week and I will tell you all about it. Or you can check out my review. It's uh, going to go up over at uh, either Acting Hour or Fan Carpet, but I'll let you know. I'll probably link to that from my Twitter. But uh, let's just get straight into it, like Alien Covenant and Miss Sloan. So Alien Covenant um, was definitely the highlight for me this week. Uh, before I went to see it. Um, I'm a huge Alien fan. I, I've got the first four. Well, actually, I also do own Prometheus. Prometheus. Um, I've got them all on Blu-ray. I've always been a huge, huge fan of the entire of the entire series. Um, yes, I even like three and four. I know that's a bit weird to some, but I really do love it. My favorite, I always have a hard time saying whether it's like Alien or Aliens, but actually, no, if I'm quite honest, it's always aliens. I don't know why. I think it's because it's more action-oriented, and and most importantly, because you have like such a ginormous change in Ripley from the first one to the second one, or especially in the second one. Um, it's it's like akin to. I mean, it's it's a James Cameron film, but it's it's akin to um, Terminator Two. Like I love the first Terminator, but Terminator Two. Um, is so much better for me um, not just because Linda Hamilton all of a sudden turned into such a kick-ass babe but um, saying babe is probably not the right word in, in that regard but uh, she was just all of a sudden such a kick-ass hero even though of course she she did get rid of the first Terminator in the first one just like Ripley got rid of the first alien in the first one but it's, it's like they were you know just just a few notches on top, you know, is that, I'm not even sure if that's the right phrase, but that's just what James Cameron does, and that's one of the reasons I like him. But so yeah, Aliens um, has always been my favorite. Uh, I was very excited when Prometheus came out. I know a lot of people hate the film, I don't. Um, I, I sure as hell wouldn't say it's one of my favorite films, but it, it was. I was thoroughly entertained and I was definitely um, really in excited about learning about the, the history of where these aliens come from, how they were created, all of that stuff. You know, it was the first in, in a seemingly long series of new films that is coming our way. Um, I think Ridley Scott said something along the lines that there's going to be another four or five films after Covenant. So there's still quite a lot to go and I'm not sure if he's going to do all of these and the end is then going to lead into the first alien or how he's going to do that. But Prometheus really got me intrigued. Um, there was a lot of stuff that went unanswered, not that I have a problem with that. Um, but you have Alien Covenant here as pretty much the sequel to Prometheus. And um, Ridley Scott kind of took on board that a lot of people were like, well, this Prometheus, it was supposed to be a prequel to Alien, but it didn't really have a lot to do with Alien. So he, I, I think initially he really enjoyed Prometheus. He was very proud of Prometheus, but then there was this huge backlash by a lot of people. Um, which I didn't necessarily agree with, but um, 
I I did enjoy Prometheus and he took on board what people were criticizing about it, which is why I think Covenant was changed quite a bit um, from potentially what he was trying to do from the outset. But what we have here is something that works really well as the sequel. Um, throughout the film you will you will see how it ties in with Prometheus because we start out the film with an entirely new crew, an entirely new ship. Um, I can't even, well, of course, it's, it's called Alien Covenant. The ship is called Covenant, just like in the first one, the ship was called Prometheus, you know, the god who brought fire and stuff. Um, here, Covenant is a colony ship. Um, so there's a skeleton crew aboard the ship who takes care of the ship. Um, and you have about, what was it, 2,000 colonists and a few frozen embryos, and they're meant to colonize a distant planet. Um, now, at first, the film starts out what I really liked was it starts out with Michael Fassbender's Walter. He's the android again. Um, he is aboard. He's awake aboard. You know, they they get like um like an SOS, and then they go and investigate that. Just like in the first one, in the first Alien film, there was this SOS, and they went there to investigate it. And then, you know, the rest is brilliant cinema history. We were properly introduced to any of these characters, which is why the ones that die off, you don't really care about them. They're just cannon fodder because, first of all, this is an alien film. We do expect to shine and endear themselves to the viewer, which is unfortunate because we don't really care when they when they die. We we kind of rejoice when they die. People are cheering when when people were dying because it's like, yeah, the aliens about, you know. That's all that anyone has signed up to go and see in this film. So that that was a bit of a that was a bit of a downfall I thought in regards to that film but we we have the bridge crew there the the captain immediately doesn't make it out of cryosleep so his second in command is in command and a lot of people don't seem to agree with him being in command which is why he wasn't the captain in the first place so all of this stuff is alluded to in in dialogue um it's not necessarily shown it's told which is not really what you're supposed to be doing you're supposed to show and not tell people stuff but it's, uh, I don't know, it, it, I, I didn't like the dude, I didn't really like any of the people, e even the one that you know is the protagonist, um, Daniels, uh, the lady with the short hair, uh, because you've seen her on the poster, you've seen her in promo material, you know, you know she's the hero, she's the young Ripley, and she, she does look a bit similar to Ripley, um, there's definitely a lot of throwback to Ripley from the original Alien film, um, in the way that she looks, even though she has shorter hair, but she she looks like the daughter. It's it's crazy. It's really uncanny. Um, but for whatever reason, you just you just don't really feel for any of the characters. You just want them to get into the action. You just want them to get to to meet the aliens so that you know the entertaining action can ens en ensue. And that's not really something. I think that the alien films were known for. I mean, it's, it's always great to see like the alien or to at least see the reactions of when someone potentially sees the alien. Not necessarily you as a viewer, you have to see them because the less you see of them, the more enticing and, and um, fascinating they are. The more you see, the less enticing it is because you see bad CGI or even if it's good CGI, but you see it's just fucking CGI or you see a dude in a rubber suit or whatever. You know, it's it's really hard to suspend disbelief. So the the same problem here in Covenant, but I, I cover that later. Um, what happens is they go investigate that SOS that I mentioned, and all the stuff 
up until then is is in space in the spaceship around the spaceship it looks fantastic it looks like uh, you know gravity or whatever it, it's it's really well done um and it it explains how the ship can travel so far and so long and yada yada it's really cool i really enjoyed that but to me it took its bloody time and i was really desperate for what i came here to see for for the action for the aliens for what's going on with the aliens i just want to know what the hell is is happening how is this um going towards the original alien film how is this interacting and 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 with, with prometheus and what we've seen before and that just takes this bloody time which is fine once they then land on this on this other planet um that they weren't supposed to go to for obvious reasons um then the action is is kind of starting N not not really action but it's it's getting a lot more interesting you've you've met some of the crew not that i would remember anyone's names other than daniels and tennessee um who are basically the protagonists other than walter the android um and a lot of people die you find out that a lot of the team the bridge team because the colonists are still frozen um that they are all uh, spouses of each other you know every everybody seems to consist of a couple which makes sense because they're supposed to colonize a new planet right um but overall it was it was just a bit it, it felt almost forced it's like oh you're not talking about my wife's tits or you're not hitting on my husband or you know it was always like oh this is the partner of this person this is the partner of that person blah 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 there's interconnectivity going on yeah we get it you know and that happens a bit a bit over the top a lot in this film so once they finally touch down on the planet um you've, if you've seen the trailer you know that there's some spores come into play that people then somehow have in their ears or you know put and get in their noses or, or stuff and you know this this is not this is not good news now this is where the film actually starts um and the film does sort of slightly answer where the aliens come from why they are how we know them you know the whole thing with the egg and then the face hugger and then the thing coming out of a human or or dog or whatever it implants itself into and then taking on the shape of that and here we are introduced to a precursor form which is in w with the spores and you find out a lot that was set up in prometheus and while Prometheus started setting up, answering some bits, but basically giving you a lot more questions than it would answers, and it does answer, uh, like Covenant sort of answers a tiny bit of that, but not really a lot. There's still, just like in Prometheus, this whole thing going on of, I'm not entirely sure what the fuck's going on here and how this all links, interlinks with everything, but I'm intrigued. Um, and I think that is what Covenant did really well. It, it was while the characters are not necessarily very engaging, which to me is always a downfall in a film, because for me, th the plot can be absolutely ridiculous and, and shite and just basically non-existent. But as long as the characters are interesting, none of that really matters. You know, as long as you believe the characters or you feel for the characters or you find them captivating in any way, shape, or form, you will be engaged somehow. But here the characters are very flat you don't really get a chance to get to know them people die off really quickly you don't really give a shit because you didn't really get a chance to know them you know when you think about it, it's like e even uh john hurt like in the first one he was like the first chest burster person yeah um 
We didn't really know much about him, but the tiny bit that we knew, it really impacted us when all of a sudden this fucking thing burst out of his chest. Also, fair enough, this was the first time we've ever seen something like this. Um, repetitive viewing or, you know, um, exposure to that kind of stuff obviously um, makes it a lot harder to get the same reaction out of the audience. But here it was just like, yeah, finally stuff is coming out of him. Now we're getting somewhere. And people are surprised by the, the aliens that come out of there. And to be fair, so was I. So I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil too much in, in that regard because I will talk about this in the spoiler section um, because there needs to be a spoiler section for Covenant because it's really hard to talk about the film without going into spoilers. Um, if you like the Alien franchise, I think you should go and see it even though this film is definitely more like Prometheus than any of the Alien films. Um, it sets up a lot that I think will pay off in the next film or, or films further down the line. It answers a few things, but not a lot. So if, if, you, if you're there for answers, if, if you want like a, a proper package with a start, a middle and an end, this might not necessarily be it. Just like Prometheus, it didn't really give you an end, it gave you an open end. And I think Alien Covenant is pretty much the same thing, just an extension of, you know, it, it really takes the story further. It um, hits on the stuff that we've seen in the previous film and it gives you further information. But while doing so also poses a lot more questions. Um, so you will, I think you will leave the cinema wanting more. That's what I did. Like the, the first half of the film, I was like, mm, yeah, you know, mm, drags a bit, takes a bit, you know, it's like, and even later on in the film, there, there are, this film I think has pacing issues. This film is trying to, without spoiling it, I will talk about this in the spoiler section later, but this film is definitely the Iceman, seriously, again. Sorry if you can't hear that. Um, sorry if you hear it, or if you can't, you don't, what the hell is she talking about? Um, th there are definitely things in the film where it's like, look how well we've done this, and look how well we've done, this looks phenomenal, doesn't it? And then it lingers on this, even though, as we all know, if a scene or a dialogue doesn't propel the story or a character forward, you should fucking cut it out. There's quite a few of that in Alien Covenant, which is what I thought was a bit surprising, because Ridley Scott is a really great filmmaker, and he knows better. I'm not, certain bits I'm not sure why it is in the film in the first place or why it is in the film for as long as it is which is a bit annoying yeah it's not like the film is running mega long I think it's like 122 minutes long something like that so it's, it's not like it, it's like a two and a half or three hour film and you go like oh yeah they could have cut something out but I think there are definitely bits in there where I, I just, I would have cut it. I would have either cut the, the duration of something or I would have cut certain bits out completely. Um, why they were in there, I'm not in entirely sure. I don't really get it. It's, it's too showiness is, is all it is. And it's, it's like you, you really don't need that in a film like that. It's, it's ridiculous. A director like Ridley Scott doesn't need that. So I was, I was a bit disappointed with that. And you could just tell like people around me, they were like, oh, can we just move on to, to the next bit? It's like, what, what are you trying to tell me here? It's like, you're, you're trying to make a point and no one gets the point. And then everyone's like, uh, and that's alienating the audience. And I know it's an alien film, but that is probably not something that you were after. So that, that was a bit weird, but overall I thought, um, 
it was a it was a good film i i was entertained especially the second half which obviously with you know the aliens showing up and uh, it's a lot more fast-paced there's a lot more action there's a lot more stuff happening there's a lot of surprises there as well which i thought were quite welcome um the first bit definitely takes a takes a bit and, and maybe drags a bit um but overall if you like the alien films i think you should go and you should go and see it um if you didn't like Prometheus, I think maybe this one is not for you either. Because it's it's more of the same. Even though I think they definitely managed to incorporate the actual alien and uh, the alien mythology and the alien design a bit more. Um, more. More familiar stuff is happening in this film than in the previous one. But overall, it is still very akin to Prometheus. So if that is something that is not your thing, I don't think you're going to enjoy it this time around either. Um, and with that, I think I'm going to go into the spoiler section. Um, so what happens with Covenant is that not to anyone's surprise, um, the script is quite predictable in, in that way, it's, it's a bit annoying. Like the bits in space at first were really cool and it was more like, um, you know, like life or, or, or maybe interstellar or like a proper like spacey thing. Um, whereas Alien was always inside a ship or was on a planet, right? But those bits were really cool. But once they go onto that new planet, through that ion storm which conveniently is there so you can't properly communicate with the people that are on the ground um, and you have this random event that even leads to you getting that um, uh, what's it called that transmission that the Tennessee guy picks up on uh, it, everything is just so such a coincidence and such a con convenience um, that it's it's almost lazy script writing. It's really really weird. Um, I I thought that was a bit bizarre that all of this actually hinges on a huge coincidence. When they come across that transmission, which to no one's surprise really, is from Elizabeth Shaw, who was in Prometheus. You know, she was the sole survivor of the Prometheus. Well, that and uh, her and David, the android played by Michael Fassbender. Um, those were the only two survivors really and they took the spaceship and she wanted to find the homeworld of the architects or well those ginormously white aliens or gray aliens that we've seen in Prometheus um, and Covenant just stumbles across this transmission by pure coincidence um, which Funny enough, you know, fair enough, this is like what, what happened in the first Alien film as well. It was a pure coincidence, there's an SOS signal, and then you had to come out of um, hyperdrive, hypersleep and stuff, and investigate that. But as we found out later in Alien, all of that is not really much of a coincidence, is it? But here in Covenant, it is. And so, of course, the transmission was sent by, uh, well, or was the content of the transmission was Elizabeth Shaw. Um, and... I'm not sure, considering what we find out later on, like with David being on the planet, whether he was actually trying to lure people to the planet, because he was, I assume so, it was never said, I'm not sure it was kind of like um, implied, I always thought he did it on purpose, because that was the only signal he could send out, I guess, and he was trying it like, um, like a homing beacon, if anyone picks that up, any sentient life form, spacefaring life form, 
they will come and find him and then he might be able or have a chance to get off this rock. Because I think no matter how, um, you know, he can't die, like he, he's basically, um, he lives forever. He, he's an android, right? He could have been on this planet for thousands of years. Um, but it's only been 10 years since Prometheus. So he, I think he wanted to get off, which is why he sent out that signal. They come over there and he wasn't planning on the spores to necessarily infect them. He has his own means, which I think is also quite interesting. But that, that's one of the other things that I thought was, was really weird. Like we, we find out uh, like the spores take hold of two of the humans from the Covenant um, literally red shirts we I'm not even sure whether we were given their names um, but they were like the unimportant ones that we were like oh where did all these people come from all of a sudden just so we have some people to touch down on the planet for what I didn't see them before on the ship and I was like well literally when they went down into that whatever shuttle thingy it was I was like where this all where did all these people come from all of a sudden that was literally my reaction in the cinema I was like, what, did they wake up colonists? What, what the fuck? Um, they were apparently part of the bridge crew. They're part of like the, the Marines or the scouting mission or whatever. And they're taken over. And then the aliens come out of them. The first person, the alien comes out of his spine, which I thought was kind of cool. It comes out of his back. And the other person literally vomits out the alien. Um, and I thought that was really interestingly done. Um, maybe they always come out of the back but the second guy he was held to the ground with his back to the ground so i'm wondering if the alien just chose you know the easiest way out which was through his mouth which was interesting um either way the aliens that came out of there they came out of humans right but they were all quadpedal they were like animals and I thought that was really weird because what we've seen previously was that the alien will take on a form um, akin to whoever hosted it. So if it was um, gestated inside a dog, it would be quadpedal. If it was inside a human, it would be bipedal and so on. Whereas here, they came out of humans and yet they were quadpedal. And I thought that was really bizarre. But then they were aliens that came out of spores they were made out of spores so i'm not sure that might be different so the spores um remind us of the bioweapon that we've seen in prometheus we see that again here in covenant as well where i i'm not sure if we have to assume that the planet that this takes place on is the home world of the architects the we, we see a flashback to when um david lands with the genome ship and all the um, inhabitants of the planet, they look like the architects. I'm not sure whether they're human size or, or taller because they were just amongst themselves. Um, and David then releases, um, you know, the, the, the plague, basically. Everything is, and, and that's one of the things that didn't make any sense to me in the film. It's like, he releases that, it's airborne, and it literally decimates the entire planet's population within a few minutes. And then later on, David creates what we know as the alien eggs and the face huggers and stuff like that. And he, he sees that as 
the like like a betterment as the as the evolutionary process i've made this better this is now this is now actually creating life and to me as as a weapon as a bioweapon obviously the airborne one makes way more sense because it's way more effective easily deployed um you can't really you can't really run from it if something's airborne that's really hard to to run from whereas what david did was he created the facehugger which needs to be in very close proximity to whatever victim it has to ingestate it with an embryo but the facehugger will ingest the embryo well well will will put the embryo into something and then you have life coming out of that whereas with the plague or whatever we're going to call it the bioweapon you don't have that at all it destroys it doesn't create life and david as much as he dislikes the human race um because he thinks that we're inferior to him and that we basically have no right to keep on living that we've outlived our our time already you know we should have been uh, if if we never managed to walk among the stars we we would have been probably eradicated on earth um that's at least what it sounds like to me in the film so it he really isn't a fan of humanity um we we learn about what what he thinks of his creator um what walter the other android the newer model thinks of the creator so it's all about the the creation process um meeting your makers you know your parents um and all of that just like in in prometheus we already had that that kind of an um idea and it's taken further in covenant where david is like no my my parents my creators were they were almost like impure they're imperfect they're just nothing they're inferior i now have to they created me i'm so much better than they ever will be now i have to create life because that's the only reason we are here it's everything is about creating life so he has to obviously he can't create life by himself and then he finds these spores and he's like oh my god i can make this so much better and then he makes these these eggs but obviously he can't use this for anything if he doesn't have bodies to uh use as breeding pots and he tried that on elizabeth shaw and it worked where that alien went we're not really sure um because later on we we see that he used her for something and something came out of her chest cavity um where that alien went i don't think we ever find out because the other alien that we see i thought was one of the two that came out of the boarding expedition you know the people that whose name we didn't know so i'm not entirely sure maybe that was that was sure because that that's the other thing is like um but once we see that it's david who's um kind of helping the the boarding party from from the covenant boarding party you know like the scout party um from the covenant they have these tiny quadpedal aliens attacking them viciously and they lose another person i think um they're trying to defend against them in the shuttle which results in the shuttle exploding and them basically being stranded on the planet and then david shows up and he shows up just in time before daniel's gets eradicated by one of those aliens and he shows them where there is a safe place to be and funny enough it's like he walks into something that looks like a temple 
and there's like a lot of dead people's ashes and stuff this is before we find out that this is where the ship actually landed and he unleashed the plague and killed all of these people um, why that is a sacred place and, and a safe place why the aliens don't come there it's actually no I, I just fell for that he's saying it's a safe place but it actually isn't because the alien shows up there as well so forget that but once they're in that temple and David starts explaining where like who he is where he's from what's been going on and blah 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 um, and we we get to meet some of the remaining Covenant crew a bit more which was which was a bit nicer I started to care a bit more um, and then there is one of the aliens and all of a sudden it's bipedal and a lot bigger and I for the first few seconds I wasn't sure whether that is just a evolved state from one of the small quadpedal ones or what I thought was shit he did this to Shaw and that is Shaw that's what I actually thought and I thought that would have been really cool now whether that actually is Shaw I'm not entirely sure and uh, that bipedal alien kills one of the Covenant crew um, and David finds it and is trying to communicate with it which is what I thought was really fucking fascinating it's like he's trying to, to talk to it he's, he's trying to open some sort of communication and there definitely was some sort of a connection there but then I can't remember which one of the guys just aims a gun at the thing and starts shooting at it and I think he shoots it dead if I remember correctly uh, which was very unfortunate but there is a lot of stuff happening here in Covenant in regards to the creation of the alien race like the whole thing with, with like the eggs and the facehuggers so basically David the android who was created by Wayland Yutan well by Mr. Wayland um, he created the aliens as we know them the facehuggers the eggs and shit that comes from there so well, on the one hand, I thought it was a bit of a letdown because I was kind of hoping there'd be something way cooler than that. On the other hand, I find it really almost almost poetic that the, the thing that we've created created this, which is now destroying us. You know, it's, it's kind of like Battlestar Galactica. We created a silence and they then created better silence and they're now coming for us and killing us. That kind of a thing. Also, what I really thought was really cool, you always have this question, it's like, what came first, the egg or the chicken? Now we know. The egg. Seriously, the egg came first. The facehugger in the egg, that's first. I thought that was cool. Um, I really want to know why why that alien design, the facehuggers in, in the eggs, why that's supposed to be the next step in evolution. Why? How is that better than airborne, the airborne plague? I thought that was really, really weird, but obviously it is what, what's been established in, you know, in 79, so that's kind of where we have to get to. Um, I was a bit sorry to see the quadpedal tiny mega fast aliens, um, to see them go that quickly. Um, the bigger alien was really really interesting but that one also didn't really stick with us and and I think that's that's one of the things that I thought was really weird about the film you have you introduce the quadpedal ones and they're really fucking deadly because they're fucking fast and vicious and we get rid of them really quickly and then you have this it, it looks like B-Max or something you know? um, that that big gooey white gooey alien that looks like 
a squishy marshmallow man, like a slightly deformed marshmallow man. Um, but that also gets taken out really quickly. So I'm like, well, what, what, what am I, what am I, like connecting to? It's like, you know, something's not happening right. And then, and then the film really goes sinister when David is being really nice to someone from the Covenant crew and goes like, yes, I will tell you everything that's been going on here and everything that I'm doing. Let me show you what I've been doing. Do you see these eggs here? They're fascinating. And then one of the eggs opens and it's like, you should take a closer look. And everyone's like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. And the guy's like, oh really? It's like, yeah, you really need to take a closer look and just wait for it. And you know what's gonna happen, but it's still really effective. And I thought that was really fun because you as a viewer, you know more than the person in the film. And that can lead to a lot of additional layers of, of entertainment while you're watching the film. And it definitely worked in that scene and I thought that was really fantastic but there were like I said the, the plot was really predictable um, I, I thought the the whole thing with like the different aliens it, it just went past so quickly it was it was a bit of a letdown like I really wanted there to be a bigger story about the first bipedal alien that we see uh, later on we see a proper alien the way that we're used to because uh, obviously the dude that was met by the facehugger he he um, gestated an alien inside of him he was saved and then the thing broke out of him and then all of a sudden you have an alien about and it's an alien that we're used to you know one of them black ones and you know all of that stuff uh, so because because it actually was like the usual black alien that we that we see with like the the tongue as a separate like mouth thingamajig like the alien as we know it right that's why i think the bmax alien the bipedal one must have been the next evolutionary step of the quadpedal one i don't think that that would have been uh, elizabeth Shaw. Oh, of course it couldn't have been elizabeth Shaw because she was actually lying on a on a slab somewhere and her chest had burst open so never mind that but i would have really liked that if he somehow managed to make her into an alien or something or, or there was some kind of a connection there because of it being her i don't know that, that there was something there that I, I wanted there to be a connection but there wasn't one and i was a bit disappointed by that um but overall i i just wrote my pirates of the caribbean review earlier and I had the same, I know this is coming out of left field, but bear with me, tangential thought. Where I'm trying to go with this is, this Alien film, Alien Covenant, really reminded me of the very first Alien film. There are so many parallels in here, just like in New Pirates of the Caribbean, just like in, you know, The Force Awakens, whatever. It feels like they've just taken the old script, kept the structure, and then just, you know, changed a couple of small bits. But basically, it's the same thing. You start on the ship, stuff goes wrong on the ship, someone finds an SOS, you go investigate the SOS, shit happens, you take people back to the ship, ship shit comes out of someone, more shit happens, and then near the end you are back on a ship somewhere, you're stuck there with one alien and you're trying to get the fuck rid of it, and, and that's basically the film. It is really like the first Alien film, but unfortunately not even as close to not, not coming close to that at all no matter how much they try that characters aren't as memorable um the lady who plays daniels i can't remember her name um she's she's doing a good job she's doing her best 
But she's just not Sigourney Weaver. She's just not Ripley. You know, there's no way that you can just bring that amazingness from 79 back. That just does not fucking work. And the film is really trying. And it's trying to answer some questions while while kind of enlarging the whole mythos of the aliens and how they were created and, and what's going to come next. Um, because, of course, it's like I said, it's really predictable. So we have two androids. Of course, there's going to be a switcheroo happening at one point, right? That's not a surprise. That's a given. That's an expected given that that's going to happen in the film. So when that happened at the end, no one went like, oh, whoa, man, I did not see that coming. Everyone went, yep, there we have it. Yep. I would have been really surprised if that didn't happen in the film. Because you meet David and so you to to discern him like to, to to be able to spot the difference between him and Walter David has really long hair because he's been a hermit basically he's been the only living creature on this planet because as they mention in the films like there's no nature like do you hear birds or animals there's nothing because the plague has literally killed everything there's a few spores lying around here and there but any biological any living being has been eradicated because that's what that bioweapon does um and basically why they created this bioweapon in the first place these architects i don't really get it because it they rendered the planet completely useless because another living being can't set foot on it because that fucking plague just gestates there in the spores and it will be around there forever. I mean, unless there's an antidote, I have no idea. But it's, it's like, why they created this in the first place? It baffles my mind. If someone knows, please let me know. Weeklywatchcast at gmail.com, all right? Email me if you know. Or hit me up on Twitter. Um, so I thought that was, that was really weird. But you could tell that um, David is going to take Walter's place. And uh, it was also insinuated that Walter had a bit of a thing for Daniels. And he sacrifices his hand for her. But then he's... A robot and you know Asimov's laws of robotics and all of that stuff right but and and there's a showdown between David and Walter and apparently Walter wins or so we think but of course everyone expected David to win because David is the more interesting choice for the plot and for everything um, and then of course that happens and I absolutely loved it uh, that I really liked uh, even though it was fucking predictable but you know it's it's like the first one, but in the first one, only Ripley survives. Well, her and the cat. Um, and then in the second one, we have the android and, and, you know, a few people. But here, we have people surviving and they go back to cryosleep. And I really like that in the film because Daniels doesn't realize that Walter is actually David until she's helpless in the cryo tube. And she's just about being frozen when she realizes that it's actually David and she can't do fuck all about it and she's hammering and and, and you know knocking in on, on the inside of, of her tube and she's like no and that's how she's frozen for the next whatever seven years or something and David struts about the ship and um, goes to the uh, you know where the, where the colonists are and where those little drawers are with the frozen embryos and he, he upchugs two alien embryos and puts them in there. And it's just so fucking fantastic. I mean, why he only brought two, I'm not sure. I mean, it would have it would have been very conspicuous to bring one of those eggs and go like, I'm sorry, my luggage, you know. Um, 
but why those two embryos? Because I'm not sure, can he tell whether one of them's a queen? Is there such a thing yet? Does he have to make them queenable, if that's a word? You know, because um, obviously we know for, uh, from the second one that there is such a thing as an alien queen. Because thank you, James Cameron, for showing us this tremendously fascinating awesomeness. Um, and then I think at the end of the third one, when Ripley is pregnant with one of the aliens and she goes, it's a queen. So you can somehow tell. So I'm not sure if David can already tell with those little embryos. And what those embryos were, were they like little embryo face huggers? I'm not entirely sure. I was a bit confused by that. I assumed they were somehow face huggers, so they could embed themselves into a human. But he only brought two. I'm sure he's a robot. He could have probably ingested like 10 or 20 of them. I don't know. So that that was a bit weird. But it was it was more it was more about haha. <laughs> by the way, I brought other things. You know, it's not like I'm just leaving my heritage behind on the planet. But then, of course, he is also leaving that behind. So there's still a planet, whatever it was called, I can't remember, LV something. Um, and he's leaving behind the eggs with the face huggers, and I assume a few other of these embryos that, that he brought aboard the Covenant. So it will be interesting to see what happens. Like in the next film, I kind of want to see what David does aboard the Covenant, where they're going and what he does with the, with the colonists. Is he just trying to create a planet of aliens? And what will they do? Like, do they actually... Like, I would be interested to see what happens if there's... Like, with LV426 or whatever it was... Um, the, in, in, in Aliens. When... Um, when there are so many aliens and, and a queen and stuff. Do they have, like, a proper society? Do they... Of course, there's a hierarchy. But what do they actually do? Like, she's laying eggs, but there is no more... Well, there are no more wombs for her to have the facehuggers go into. So it's like, what happens once you have like 2,000 aliens and maybe you have two or three queens there or something? I don't know. Um, and then that's it. What do you do then? That would be interesting to see. But I also want to know what happens with the planet that David just left. Because he left all this shit behind. And I assume that the SOS thingy-majig might still be running, so could there be other people coming in there? They will then stumble upon that chamber with a few facehugger eggs, and then you have that happening. So I'm not entirely sure what it's going for, but I thought it was really interesting to see that he only brought two of these embryos. I'm sorry I've been talking about this film for 40 minutes, I didn't really uh, mean to do that. Um, overall, I thought the, the film was really interesting. But it was also very lengthy. It did answer some questions, even though I thought it could be a bit more spectacular. So, the, like I said, the first half I was like, yeah, let's see where this is going, you know, I'm not really into it. Second half, whoa, yeah, shit's going down. This is really cool. Even though it doesn't reach the, the, the amazing levels that we've seen in Alien and Aliens. Even Alien 3 or 4, this is a very, very different beast because we're starting basically from zero, where Prometheus started. And we're just like a tiny bit further in. That's all it is. So am I excited for the next one? Yes, because I want to know more. It's like Starship Troopers. Do you want to know more? Press here. Uh, yes, I want to know more. And I wish that I didn't have to wait another three or four years or however long I have to wait until the next one's coming out. Um, 
Could the film have been better? Fuck yes. Uh, overall, I think it's just a mediocre film. It's fairly entertaining, but it could have been better. Um, it doesn't really shed a lot of light onto the alien franchise, uh, other than that apparently David made them the way that we have known them so far. Um, it's a nice continuation from Prometheus, even though I would have preferred to have actually seen the Architect Homeworld. If that was it and it was immediately destroyed, I was like, why? I mean, it's kind of poetic that he destroyed them with their own bioweapon. There you go, fuckers. But I don't know. It was I, I expected more. I expected more answers. I expected to see more other than them being killed within a few minutes. So I thought it was very anticlimactic considering... Um, what I thought was going to happen after I'd seen the end of Prometheus. So I think just just dial down your expectations and you should do fine. If you like Prometheus, I think you'll find Covenant really interesting. Um, oh, one of the things I wanted to talk about where I was like, why is that in the film? Um, one of the lengthiest bits that I would have cut immediately is when Walter and David have a bit of a moment inside David's chambers and he... I think Walter picks up a flute that David clearly must have created. Um, is there anything David can't do? It's crazy. He creates life, he creates flutes out of nothing. And Walter doesn't know how to work it and David go and teaches him how to do it. And it is, I'm not sure, does this take five minutes, ten minutes? It felt like it was going on forever. It didn't really transport the plot along. It didn't do anything for the characters, maybe other than showing us the difference between Walter and David. But even for that, and, and I mean, that that's probably what the scene was trying to tell us, it takes way too long. It was so fucking boring. And obviously what they're showing you when, when I said, it's like, ooh, fleshy, looky here, looky here. It's like you have two Michael Fassbenders interacting with each other, playing the flute. Um, I would have cut that. It was so boring. Either cut it completely or cut it down. And there's a few scenes like that, but that was the most, um, the, the biggest one, I think, because I could tell people around me were like, ah, what's going on? Can we just get back to the film for fuck's sake? A dude showing another dude how to play the flute. What the fuck? You know, people were really not into it. And it took people out of the film. It took me out of the film. I was like, oh God. Um, so that's one of the scenes where I was like, why? why is it so prominently featured in the film why is it so long what what was the whole fucking point it doesn't have to be five or ten minutes long it it's ridiculous and that's what i mean sometimes the, the film just like prometheus this one maybe even a bit more feels quite cerebral in places where i sometimes go maybe i just don't get it maybe i'm too stupid and then that also takes me out of the film and that is definitely something that you as a filmmaker you don't want you want the audience to be engaged um, so that scene I just didn't get it all right enough about Alien Covenant I think if you like Aliens you'll enjoy it to an extent it's not an entertaining blockbuster but it's definitely an entertaining film but it's got its moments but it also has its downfalls after seeing it by the way there's nothing um, after the credits so don't bother um, I thought um, after seeing it I, I thought I really want to see the next one I can't wait to see what happens next um, but it's it's one of the things where the ending is really good but the lead up to the ending leaves quite a bit to be desired which is unfortunate 
So that's Alien Covenant. And now onto a film that really surprised me, Miss Sloan. Now, if you've listened to me ramble on about shit, you know that I'm a huge fan of Jessica Chastain. I mean, who isn't, right? The woman is fantastic. Uh, she's great to look at and she's a fucking fantastic actress. So we finally got Miss Sloan. And in case you don't know what this is about, she plays um, Jessica Chastain plays Miss Sloan. She's a lobbyist in Washington and she's really fucking good at her job. So she's basically the, the Olivia Pope of lobbyists, in, in case you watch Scandal. Um, she really knows what she's doing. And if, if you want whatever being successful, you hire her, that kind of a thing. So she doesn't have much of a home life. She's career through and through. And someone approaches her about a gun bill. And the gun lobby approaches her. Sorry, the gun lobby approaches her first. They want her on, on their side because um, they feel like they're not being very well received by women. And uh, Miss Sloan has her own own ideas about, uh, you know, gun laws and the gun lobby and and stuff like that. And someone then then the gun lobby's um, opponent approaches her with a job offer, and she's just uh, basically not having it. But of course, she's Miss Sloan. She likes the challenge. She likes to win. So she goes, "I am working for the underdog because if I win this, or." The way she would say is, when I win this, no one will have won as well as I have winning this. That kind of a thing. That's the kind of person she is. So she works for this underdog. Um, she takes her team with her from the old firm who is representing the gun lobby. And then what you have is basically a cat and mouse play. A chess play is ensuing for the entirety of the film. Because that's basically how the film starts she tells you what a lobbyist does that you're always one or two steps ahead of your opponent and whoever outthinks their opponent is the winner that kind of a thing so that's basically the entire film and a lot of stuff that happens in the film is i i use that word a lot but it's very very cerebral there's a lot of shit like you really can't leave your brain at the door and watch miss sloan you will be fucked you really need to pay attention. And they sometimes, be, because she's such a powerhouse, she literally goes bam, 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 bam. She explains shit. She, she explains it so quickly that my head was spinning, just trying to keep up with all the shit that she was talking about. And the people around her were, were like hardly keeping up with her. She is just, wow, she's a whirlwind, a tornado or a hurricane married to a tornado, sort of. It was fantastic seeing Jessica Justine in that role. I mean, the entire film, it's basically a powerhouse performance by Jessica Chastain. The film lives off her. Without her, the film would just fall flat. So if you don't like Jessica Chastain, I think the film probably isn't for you. It totally lives off her performance. She's very, very charming. She's also very antagonistic, even though she is kind of like the hero. But she is very off-putting as well. She's very direct. She's very bossy. And obviously, you know, if, if you don't like any of these qualities, I don't think you're going to really dig the character. And if you don't dig the character, I don't think you're going to be digging the film, right? Um, I can't really say that I love characters like that. But if someone's that assertive, there, there is a certain charm and, and, and charisma that they have and exude. And there, there is a certain um, presence they have that I find quite fascinating. So the entire film, I was fascinated by her. Not just by her as an actress, but by the character she's playing. 
because you can tell as well put together and as powerhousey and ballsy and alpha she is, there is somewhere deep inside her that is fucked, that is fucked up and insecure and there are, you know, there are holes there that that should have been filled by, by family and love and whatever and you know all of that and you can just tell that everything around her her focusing on her career and all of that that's what she's good at that's what she's focusing on the stuff that she doesn't have or can't have or she's not good at she cuts that out of her life and some of the stuff that you see um, for example she she pays a gigolo to come to her place or, or to meet him in, in a hotel every other night um, because she doesn't have the time or she doesn't want the entanglements of a relationship that's one of the things that she does and um, I I find it really I found her so intriguing and fascinating it, it was like a like a character portrayal throughout because she would always come up with something else and surprise you and then you find out later that she had planned on doing this from the fucking get-go and that, that's why you have to pay attention throughout the entire film because there are bits near the very end that payoff stuff that happened at the very start of the film and it's that kind of stuff even though you sort of expect it I was still pleasantly surprised when it then happened when I was then when it was then confirmed that this is actually the case because throughout the film there, there are so many layers of intrigue and, and chess play and shit going on that after a while you're not entirely sure who's on whose side, who's doing what, who didn't do what, who might be doing this, who is thinking that, who is that, and it's just really crazy. But that's one of the reasons why I really liked that film, because I was so engaged, because there was so much shit happening on so many different layers. It was so hard to keep track of things that your head is spinning, but and you don't even realize that your head is spinning. And you're still like, oh my God, I can figure it out, I can figure it out. And then, of course, you know, um, obviously, they, like I said, they're the underdogs, so they have an uphill battle to win. They need to get, I think, 60 votes for, for the bill or against the bill. I can't even remember whether they were voting for or against whatever bill it was, but it was against the gun lobby, right? And, of course, the entire theme is very current with um, so many shootings happening in the States and stuff like that. So that will, I mean, that by itself makes the film very controversial because you have people on both sides of that... Um, of that issue and they're all very very aggressive and vehement and, and very obnoxious and opinionated and a lot of them don't they're very tunnel vision they don't really see or they don't really want to see outside their little box and what the film does I think first of all it's just a very entertaining layer cake of shit that happens in Washington and that happens with laws and with lobbying and, and all of that stuff um, but I also think that it definitely shines a light on it and I'm not sure if I would say that it takes a side. I mean, Miss Sloan is obviously the protagonist and she is for the against gun lobby. Yeah, So she's against guns. Uh, well, well, that's actually not right. The entire film is saying like, we're not against guns. What we want is thorough background checks. So that if you have nothing to hide, if you're a good person, if you're not a terrorist or mentally unstable, you will be able to get any gun that you want. 
All we want is to not have terrorists or mentally unstable people have easy access to guns. And one of the things I thought was really uh, interesting in the film is uh, she brings the example of uh, someone is saying, like, well, the government shouldn't infringe on my Second Amendment rights. And she's like, yeah, I mean, I see you, but so would you also say that we should abolish driver's license, driver's licenses? And he's like, what? Like, well, having to go through rigorous testing to get your driver's license is the government meddling in your affairs and the government basically infringing on your right to drive a car. And, and he was like, that's not the same. He was like, it's the same thing. If you're driving a dangerous vehicle, if you're driving a vehicle that could endanger other people, that's why it's in everyone's interest and why everyone is just, you know, adhering to that, is that why you have to pass a driver's test. So why can't we have someone pass a test in order to get a gun, which is even more dangerous than a vehicle? Um, and I thought that was actually quite a really um, apt allegory. Uh, and so stuff like this and more is in this film. So I'm, I mean, to be to be honest, um, I'm definitely on the side that Miss Sloan was representing because I think there's there should be thorough checks before you're allowed to fucking purchase a gun. Um, just like there should be checks before you're allowed to drive a car. And judging by recent happenings in history, there should be checks before you're allowed to vote. Um, and that's not just aimed at the US. So let's get away from, from stupid politics because that oh, I could be talking about this forever. Miss Sloan, very entertaining film. You just have to bear with it. Like I said, there's uh, there's so many layers going on. It, it is hard to judge it. Don't judge it by its first half hour or hour. Watch the entire film and then let me know what you think. Overall, I really enjoyed it. A lot of that has to do with Jessica Chastain playing Miss Sloan. I think it if it was someone that I found less charming or engaging, it might have been a problem because the film does live off that one performance. I mean, there are a lot of other performances on the periphery that are really really good you have Alison Pill in here as well she's fantastic she's also a bit of a counterpoint to to Miss Sloan and you also have Gugu Mbata-Ra and um, she she's fantastic in there as well like you have a lot of really great female roles in this film you have also great um, uh, male roles in this film one of the roles here that I'm not sure how this guy always gets so many jobs is Sam Waterston he is, uh, I know him from Grace and Frankie. Um, and in this film, he plays, I think, the owner of whatever firm Miss Sloan works for at the start of the film, where she then buggers off to go to the underdog. And, and Sam Waterston, he's just, he always strikes me as someone with no spine. He doesn't strike me as an alpha, how he would have ever reached the position that he is supposedly in in the film. I have no idea. He doesn't strike me as strong at all. Um, he's not alpha. He, he, he strikes me as a pushover, as flimsy, as, as, as weak. I don't know. Maybe that's just how I see him. I don't know. But I find him... I can't take him seriously in, in a powerful role. And he is in a powerful role in this film. And I have no idea how he gets cast for that. Like, do other people not see this? Is it just me? It's like, do, do I have a weird 
Like, do, do I just totally see him in the wrong light? I have no idea. But yeah, I thought he was he was the one person in this film who I would have I would cast entirely different. I think he was totally miscast, and by the end of the film, I really thought he was totally miscast. And um, that was yeah, it was really really bizarre. Um, but like I said, it lives off Jessica Chastain's performance, and and that's all that you need to know. She does the, the powerful stuff really well. She does the vulnerable stuff really well. The tiny bit of vulnerable stuff that she actually has. Overall, I thought the film was really, really fantastic. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I was intrigued. Um, I was engaged. Uh, maybe it's too cerebral for mainstream audiences. Not saying that I'm mega cerebral or bright or intelligent or smart or whatever. But a lot of people shy away from such heavy subject matter. I really enjoyed it. Uh, also, I watched it straight after Alien Covenant, so I was in the perfect um, mindset, sort of, to to watch something like this. Um, I mentioned that there is like an escort slash gigolo who is, um, you know, seeing Miss Sloan every now and then. At the end of the film, uh, that might be a bit of a spoiler, so I'm going to put a spoiler tag on this. Hang on a second. So at the end of the film, you know, she has to go um, to a Senate hearing and stuff like that. She basically ends up in prison because she did something that was part of her chess game to help her win. But because she did that, she actually has to go to prison for five years. And I think she was only in prison for just slightly over a year. Um, but one of the things I really liked about her and that showed you that she was more than just this cold-hearted winner is when she's saying, well, she's not really saying it, but she's it's sort of alluded to or implied that she did that without the knowledge of anyone on her team because if they had known, they would also have to go to prison. So she w wanted no one to know, so she would be the only person that would be liable to go to prison for it. And that, I think, shows you so much about what kind of person she is. And she was in prison, I think, for like, her lawyer meets her 10 months later when she's in prison and I think she come, she gets out like four or six months after that for, I don't know, parole or whatever it was. And one of the things I really liked is like you see her walk out of the prison and I was like, shit, if that dude, like the escort, waits for her in a car, I'm gonna puke. But that doesn't happen. You just see her walk out of the prison over the credits and I'm like, wow. Okay. Oh yeah, by the way, you can't like, don't walk out of the film as soon as the credits start rolling because there is a tiny bit further stuff that happens. But when this, once she's walked out of the prison, you're fine. That was the last bit. But yeah, I love that they didn't show that when she was released from prison because that would have just diminished the entire fucking thing. Already calling her Miss Sloan is just like, ugh. I would have just called it Sloan, but then people probably would have assumed it's about, it's about a guy. Um, yeah, and like I said, I love that she didn't tell anyone so they wouldn't have to go to jail with her because some of the stuff that she does throughout the film like when she uses the stuff because she uses the truth about Esming's character that she's been sort of told in confidence and now she wasn't really told she found out about it and she talked to her about it and whether she would ever use it in public and blah um, so she, she is shown as a cold-hearted stone-hearted cold bitch but that is all sort of undone or, or a different light is shone on it when we are told that she didn't tell anyone about what she did 
so that they wouldn't have to go for prison to, to prison for it as well. And people say she doesn't care. Who says she doesn't care? She clearly cares, right? And Jessica Chastain is just marvelous as Miss Sloan. Um, I find her so fascinating and everything. Like I was talking about the zookeeper's wife, I think like a few weeks ago. Oh, maybe I, I, it was last week actually. I was talking about her in Zookeeper's Wife and how fascinating and captivating she is. I find her a lot more captivating in Miss Sloan. This is um, a character who's not very likable and really cold-hearted and practical and and scheming and intriguing and all of that. So really as far away from likable as you can be without being an official bad guy. But she imbues that character with some with class and charm and a and a personality that you somehow like I couldn't take my eyes off her and that's not just because she's gorgeous. Um, there's just something about her. She has an amazing presence on screen that I find irresistible and that this character brought such a powerhouse performance out of her. I mean, she's always good. I, I've loved her ever since I've seen her in Zero Dark Thirty. Um, but that Miss Sloan character really worked for her. Also showing the vulnerability just as much as the alpha. And I really love that. So if you are a fan of Jessica Justine or if you just think she's cool or whatever, um, go and see it. You won't regret it, trust me. Uh, like I said, it's, it's a bit very highbrow and there's a lot of um, talking and there's a lot of factual and, 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 and law making, law abiding and congressional bullshit and stuff going on. But even if you don't understand all of it and fucking hell, I sure as hell didn't understand 100% of that. It's still entertaining because she makes it entertaining. That entire film is Jessica Chastain and that is a good thing. It was so good. I really loved it. Um, I think if you can see it in the cinema, you should, because experiencing all the twists and turns with other audience members and getting their reactions and stuff is just an additional layer of enjoyment that you're going to have with this film. So go and see that. Um, I mean, check out Alien Covenant because, of course, you know, it's 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 a VFX fest, so it looks best on a big screen. Um, the CGI wasn't that great, but overall, well, it, it didn't wow me. I, I was a bit like, yeah. But every time you see an alien in daylight, it's like, well, I don't know. So Alien Covenant, I was a bit disappointed, but I think it's in vain with Prometheus. Prometheus, I also was a bit disappointed, um, even though I still enjoyed the film and I still enjoyed Alien Covenant. It could have just been better and I, I would have wanted it to be a bit different, but it isn't. So, but I'm still excited for whatever comes next. And Miss Sloan, I really enjoyed that from start to finish. Really good. So next week, not really much coming out. Um, the week after is busy with like Wonder Woman. Um, next week is probably going to be Colossal, the new um, Anne Hathaway film. Looks kind of funny. Um, and I will be talking about the new Pirates of the Caribbean because the embargo lifts on Monday at uh, I think 2 or 3 p.m. So by Friday, of course, I will be able to talk about it. So stay tuned for that. I will have a lot to talk about Pirates, most definitely. Um, then I'll talk about Colossal. And I think I should be able to watch the new Baywatch film as well before the next podcast. So it's going to be Pirates of the Caribbean, which is called Salazar's Revenge here in the UK, I assume in all of Europe. For whatever reason, the Americans call it Dead, Man's, Dead Men Tell No Tales or something. 
I'm not sure why, what, what's with the different titles, fucking hell, so confusing. It's like Zootropolis and Zootopia and all that shit. Um, so we've got that, we've got Colossal, the new Anne Hathaway film, and The Rock and Zac Afron in Baywatch. That should be super nonsensical fun. I mean, I love The Rock, how can I not watch this, alright? So if you want to email me, don't forget, you can email me at weeklywatchcast at gmail.com. So that's weeklywatchcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Or just go to weeklywatchcast.wordpress.com. That's the blog where I post all the episodes of the Weekly Watch. You can also see my written reviews there. There's a link to that. There's a link to my Twitter. You can basically, if you go to weeklywatchcast.wordpress.com, everything's on there. There's a link to the RSS feed to get the Weekly Watchcast with whatever um, podcast thingy, podcast app that you listen to. Um, and there will be contact details with like the email is there, the Twitter is there, uh, links to my reviews are there if you're interested. Find me on Twitter, engage with me on Twitter, talk to me about films. I'm always happy to talk about films. I know that I should be including a bit more TV sections here, but lately I've just really don't have the time to watch that much TV. Um, but until next week, I hope you guys have a lovely weekend, have a busy weekend. Hope you're gonna have really nice weather. Summer's coming, hopefully. It's raining here in London, it's a bit weird. But have a good one, enjoy the weekend, have a good time with your family members and friends. Maybe have a barbecue. I'm going to barbecue tomorrow. Have fun. Bye.